Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 88, Crazy Minute 88, which begins with Max seeing Johnny the Boy's motorcycle parked by the road, and it ends with Johnny putting a handcuff on his ankle. And joining us once again is Mr. Alex Robinson from the Star Wars Minute. G'day, mate. It's me, (laughs) Alex Robinson. I say, Alex, over the years that I've listened to, you've done an amazing job masking the fact that you are indeed Australian. <laughs> oh, no, no problem, mate. I'm putting another shrimp on the barbie, Bruce. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm going to go back into my American accent. Much like Mel Gibson, I can go back and forth depending on what the, the role calls for. So I will, uh, I will speak with my American accent from now on. That is quite the talent. As a, we, uh, we have several Australian listeners that mm, will greatly appreciate them. <laughs> you know what? We held them for 88 minutes, and if they quit at this point, maybe they'll come back for Road Warrior. <laughs> so, getting back to the minute, as we, we're just starting up on this episode, we start today with Max noticing this hole that has been punched straight through a guardrail. And so, at first, he drives past it, but as he's going over a narrow bridge... To remind everyone from yesterday, this is the Emu Creek Bridge. He notices that at the far end of the bridge, there is a motorcycle parked on the side of the road. Hmm, how interesting. I wonder, and maybe this is a silly question, I don't know. I wondered if he recognized it. Mm-hmm. Do you, I think your notes, you assume that he did recognize it and he, that he knows exactly what he's getting into. Hmm. When he stops the car. So the reason I think that Max recognizes this motorcycle is because all of the bikers have a specific motorcycle that they ride. And Max, before he got his kneecap blown off, spent an awful lot of time looking at Johnny's motorcycle. Because Johnny was the one laying out in the field playing possum. And so Max had plenty of opportunity to study the features, scope the situation out. And so I feel like when he pulls across this bridge and he sees that motorcycle sitting there, he's able to put two and two together because he's been so wholly focused on finding this exact motorcycle. And based on his expression, I kind of feel like he's almost surprised that he can't believe his luck. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's two scenarios going on here. Either he drove overnight and this is the next day and he found that bike really fast or it's been quite some time and he's been searching and he just randomly came upon the bike and his his quest is nearing completion at last so either one he's got to feel pretty good Mm -hmm. yeah so he he stops on the bridge which i love there was one other time when was it it was when Toe Cutter Bubba and Johnny had set the trap for him. He pulled over to the side of the road. And I wish that he had pulled across the road to block the way of anybody who may or may not be coming down the road. Just in case he finds himself lying in the middle of the street and gets right. run over. Just in case it's a trap, it would have been handy to have the road blocked. So he blocks the road here and I love it. 
And I think he did it on purpose because there was room for him to pull over on the other side of the bridge near the bike. So I appreciate that he blocked the road. I think it was a smart move. I think he learned from his mistake. Well, like I say, fool me once, shame on you. You know, fool me twice, you can't get fooled again. You know, because he only has two kneecaps and he's lost one of them. And so he doesn't want to put himself in a situation where he could potentially lose that other the kneecap. The other kneecap. I mean, we see in a moment, he's already walking funny. I mean, he'd be walking even funnier if he <laughs> had two bum legs instead of just one. So as Max stops on the bridge, we cut to Johnny, who is dragging a body through tall grass next to an overturned ute. And he is just pulling at this body's leg because he wants to get the boots off. So... On the vehicles page for MadMaxMovies.com, the truck here is identified as an XW Falcon, a 1969 vintage. Very nice. And one thing that I learned from the Madness of Max documentary is that the body that Johnny is dragging is one of the traffic coordinators. They were a stand-in <laughs> as this dead body. But because the documentary is two hours long and I didn't feel like going back and watching it, I can't remember if it's Andrew Jones or Stuart Beatty. It's one of those that are just making sure that they stay face down and lifeless and not moving as they get their boots ripped off by this weaselly little just grease spot of a person. I really don't like Johnny still. I uh, seem to remember from the, the Madness and Max documentary that several crew members noted that when you weren't doing the job you were hired to do, then you were doing whatever was needed. So there were lots of people in the background. The vigilantes worked as stunt doubles. You know, people holding cameras and just doing whatever was needed. So this is this is perfect. You got someone who's not needed right now. Traffic not were not a problem in this area. Throw them down in the in the bushes. So I'm from the Star Wars universe where every single character that appears on screen has an elaborate backstory, action figures, etc. Uh, <laughs> is there a similar um, dynamic in the Mad Max verse? Like, is there, if I dig deep enough, could I find the story of who this guy, this dead guy is and why he was in the Forbidden Zone, etc., etc.? Oh, I really wish there were. <laughs> yeah. So there exist novelizations of Mad Max, Road Warrior, Beyond Thunderdome. They were published in the early 80s, written by um, a guy that actually, I think, helped on the script for Thunderdome. But I will be damned if I can find a copy because they went out of print in somewhere in like the 90s or something like that. And so they are incredibly rare. I think... I did a library search to try and find the novelization for Mad Max, and I think the closest copy, we live up in New Hampshire, I think the closest copy was down in, like, NYU or something like that, their yeah. library. <laughs> I don't think NYU is keen to, to send a book all the way up to me just because I want to read it. I think they're going to be like, uh, no, we're a, we're a collegiate university. You know, you come to us. <laughs> right. <laughs> so... None of the, not a lot of background people are given names. They're given, like, descriptions. Right. They're named after an attribute. Mm -hmm. Or their relation to someone else. Like, there is a incredibly important female character that's directly related to the motorcycle game. And her name is Gum Chewer. <laughs> because she chews gum. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And we've had a ton of fun speculating you know, what her relationship is amongst the gang members or 
why she becomes involved with them when she does. And the background material just isn't there. And it's awful because, like you said, where this is a Star Wars movie, every single character, including this dead guy in the bushes, would have not only a backstory, but a name, an action figure, and probably a lunchbox somewhere. And right. a, a standalone movie. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, when I was at the uh, Star Wars celebration, the, the kind of Star Wars fan convention, I learned that um, in Return of the Jedi, there's a scene where um, Luke Skywalker throws a skull and um, someone actually came up with a backstory for whose skull that was and why it was there. And it's it's ridiculous. Wow, that is thorough. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that is fandom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or culthood. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I do think this guy that we find dead in the bushes could have a really interesting backstory. Because you're right. He's out in the prohibited area. He he seems to be maybe a guy who's just out on his own making his way in the world. He's got the, um, he's on a walkabout or something like that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's an implication of that phrase that is totally different than the way I used it. But we have unofficial cultural liaisons that listen to the show, and they comment on all of our Facebook stuff. So they will be gracious enough to kindly let me know what all that means. <laughs> I'm so sure. We, we, we lean very heavily on our unofficial cultural liaisons, for sure. And speaking of leaning, we see Johnny and he's kind of dragged this body over to a spot on the hill and he's sat down and kind of leaning against the hill and he's pulling the boots off of this body. And I like to think that were Mad Max an action comedy, that this would be the instance where Johnny would be talking to the corpse and just kind of stream of thought talking uh, badly about the MFP and the, the police officers and whatnot. And he would get to a point where the shotgun barrel would appear over his shoulder and Johnny would do one of those things where he's like talking to the corpse and he says, oh, there's one of them right behind me, isn't there? And there would be just this, this ha ha, isn't that funny moment. But <laughs> it's not that kind of movie, so we don't get that. We just get the shotgun appear over Johnny's shoulder and he turns his head to find Max standing there with just this shotgun inches away from his face and Johnny the boy ever the eloquent speaker says hi (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that he doesn't seem distressed by having a gun to his head yeah he seems yeah yeah he seems pretty okay with it yeah and he launches into this thing I mean it's stuttering I mean it's not necessarily 100% coherent but he tries to convince Max that this situation is not what it looks like that he's just sort of some sort of innocent bystander who noticed the misfortune of this individual and decided to go check it out and then just you know while he's there if the guy is dead he might as well you know take a few things and i'm like that's bold because of all of the gang members in this movie johnny the boy is the number one gang member that max would recognize the most because max was the one that arrested him earlier in the movie they spent a bunch of time around each other while johnny was in custody i mean there's no reason that johnny should be able to pull off this bluff the the difficulty rating is too high for his skill points is what i'm <laughs> trying to say <laughs> I do think that had Johnny the Boy not been Johnny the Boy, and he and Max not had this history, this the scene would have been relatively innocent. He didn't kill the guy. No, he's just he's just looting the scene. So, well, we don't know. He could have killed the guy. 
That's very true. He could have driven him off the road with his uh, into the flimsy guardrail. Right. He could have set a trap. The guy could have been alive when he found him, and then he just killed him. He finished him off. Good point. Okay, I take it all back. I don't think there's any reason to give him the benefit of the doubt based That's on true. past experience. I mean, granted, when Johnny killed Goose, he was very hesitant, and he had he needed a lot of physical encouragement from Toe Cutter. But now that he's taken one life, there's no reason that he should have any hesitation to take another life because you know he's fully integrated into the motorcycle gang now right isn't he it is james bond that says you're right the second time is much easier i think that's i think that's definitely from james bond i remember that yeah somewhere it's like okay. when you're, it's like when your pet dog eats like makes his first kill like you have to put it down because once they taste blood they can't they can't go back to being a domestic dog mm. Mm. you send him to a farm and then they can do all mm-hmm. that stuff up there well, what I did was I handcuffed my dog to a uh, car and then I uh, gave him the choice about whether he wanted to cut his leg off. Anyway, you know, I say, you can go with that. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's the humane way because it puts the choice on them. Yeah. So, right. Guilt free. Guilt free. Yeah. So going back to Johnny and his terrible, terrible plan for trying to bluff his way out of this. It's like, as dumb as it may seem, and I hate saying this, you kind of have to give Johnny credit for having the self-confidence to keep it going. Because it's it's so hopeless. And yet, well... he sticks with it. Like, he thinks, oh man, this bluff is going to work. I'm going to stick with it. And it's like, okay, he's a terrible human being, but, you know, he knows... He knows when to be determined about something. I I don't know about that. I think the answer to his confidence we find in the next minute where he makes an excuse that he is a psychopath. So I think right now he is exhibiting his psychopathic tendencies <laughs> of not understanding the the weight of what is going on here. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, I think he's a psychopath. I understand what you're saying. I got yeah. that. So Max is not buying into any of this and we get this nifty little uh little close-up of the wreck and there's one specific detail that's very interesting is that there seems to be a fuel line that has kind of sheared itself in half and it is just leaking fuel just pouring freely um i don't know why this ute in particular has such a large gas tank that it can just be leaking fuel like this for so long well trucks do tend to have larger gas tanks yeah this one just seems really big but we go from that close-up of the gasoline pouring out of the fuel line to kind of a close-up on max and he like makes a face like he has some sort of specific expression let's see if i can find it i like to think that in this moment he has like a vision of how this is all going to go down like i'm gonna i'm gonna put johnny here and i'm gonna set up this little trap here and this is how it's gonna go and everything goes according to plan so what was his plan originally then just kill him I don't know. He he seems perfectly okay with this torture scenario. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if he was bent on making Johnny suffer. Because he, I mean, he didn't, he didn't really make anybody else suffer. Everybody else who we know for a fact died, died pretty quick. I think he probably approached the situation expecting to find Johnny because he saw the motorcycle. But I don't think he necessarily had a plan exactly how he was going to dispatch of Johnny. And so seeing the gasoline leaking, I think that the face that he's making here is him remembering that Goose was killed trapped inside of a ute that had gasoline leaking all around it. And then he was burned up. And so I think he's kind of... 
having one of those uh, Rain Man-esque situations where he's the, the equations are flying around his head and he's putting this plan together that he is going to take care of Johnny the same way that Johnny took care of Goose. Yes, I like that. Um, I'm thinking about Goose's demise versus Jesse's demise. And I think... Hmm. I mean, Jesse did hang on long enough to get to the hospital. So uh, the thing but about Jesse's death is Goose's that she... death was was slow and very painful yeah. and drawn out. And I think Max sees an opportunity to inflict that same type of death and wants to. Yeah. Like actually wants to do it this way rather than taking the opportunity, just shooting him in the back of the head. I can definitely see a parallel between the way that Toe Cutter went out and the way that Jesse was taken out that jesse being a smaller individual than the thing that ran her over toe cutter likewise is a smaller object than the truck that run him ran him over it's just toe cutter didn't have the physical condition to make it to the hospital after all of that trauma and so Mm -hmm. he's kind of answering tit for tat as far as these revenge schemes are certain and so it's one of the another one of those instances of max being really lucky that not only did he find the person he was after, but he found them in such a situation that he can give them just desserts for what they've done. And find him in a position where Max so easily has control. Oh yeah, he was able to sneak up on him like nothing else. Yeah, Johnny leaves himself very vulnerable. He's down in this... Gully. Yeah, a gully, exactly. And so Max has an excellent view of him. He could have he could have taken him out without even going down that hill. He could have just stood next to his car and taken out Johnny the boy. Um, and then also Johnny has removed one of his shoes, which maybe isn't a large disadvantage, but it is a disadvantage. So he's... You feel like Max is expending more effort than he necessarily needed to? Yes. Honestly, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> Honestly, the thing that surprises me most about this scene in particular is the fact that Max was able to so effectively sneak up on Johnny, given how loud the outfits are. And... Yeah. Now, Alex, if you haven't sat back and listened to a silent scene where Max is walking around, the outfit that the MFP officers wear is preposterously loud. Like, the sound of creaking leather and... I believe it. Just... There was an instance where Goose was leaving the apartment of a singer that he had spent the night with, and the short walk from the bed to the door was so noisy. If it weren't for the fact that there were like dogs barking outside the window, I was like, how did the sleeper or how did the singer sleep through that? Because it is just so distracting. Like before, or there was a time last week even where the scene is very quiet. We're listening to the wind, and Max is walking across a road, and his outfit is just breaking the silence with every little move he makes well, not and to mention he just drove up in a in a muscle car exactly right. johnny boy would have heard that <laughs> like he's so obsessed with getting these boots off of this corpse that he's just completely dead to the world as far as observation yeah. is concerned I mean, he also looks remarkably like and max too for that matter again this i guess is the question is how how what state of uh, you know, collapse the society in. But uh, Johnny Boy, he's all clean shaven. His hair's all like, you know, blow dry and got product in it. His clothes are relatively clean. They don't seem like they're people who are like, you know, uh, like, does he have a house he goes home to or an apartment or something? Well, we live think, on his motorcycle. We think that they live 
nomadically. They seem to go from beach to beach, like Mm -hmm. camping almost. Mm -hmm. So I would say that they probably take what they need. If they need a shower and to clean their clothes, then they just break into someone's house and take what they need where they strike a deal with one of those shower like there's the pothole filling gang maybe there's a uh, spa gang that uh, right <laughs> do an alliance unholy alliance with yeah the uh the local plumbers union they uh i imagine they go around with like lead pipes and whatnot and trying to beat people up when they use a little too much water mm-hmm. heaven forbid you leave your sink dripping because they'll bust in your door and be like stop wasting water poof 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 start beating all the place up <laughs> But speaking of pipes and whatnot, there's gasoline leaking from this truck. (laughs) And so Max gets the great idea, like we said, to, you know, maybe be a little poetic with taking out Johnny here. And so he takes the opportunity to take a set of handcuffs out of his pocket, toss him down into Johnny's lap, and Max just kind of looks down at him and says, ankle. And my notes say, oh, kinky. Uh, I did notice that this is the first time that Max has spoken, I believe, since before Jesse died. Yeah, we've had plenty of grunts and whatnot. Yep. But but when... he's, he's been quite silent. Yeah, which, I mean, definitely stands out as part of his character. He is not the talkative sort. No, and he never was, even when he was in a good mood. Mm. Before, you know, his friends and loved ones started dropping like flies, he didn't, you know... He didn't talk too, too much. Yeah, there's definitely one thing that stands out as far as Max's character is that he is not a great orator. We spent a whole two days of him trying and failing to express his the way he feels about his wife, who he's been married to for several years, and they have a child together, and he just floundering around telling anecdotes and struggling to just tell her how he feels. And so Max is not great with words. <laughs> Certainly not. Yep. He's more a man of action. Exactly. He's mad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I definitely appreciate Johnny's reaction to getting the handcuffs and being told to put them around his ankle because he doesn't waste any time. And really, when you have someone pointing a shotgun right at your face... It's not really the time to be smarmy. Oh, but for Johnny the boy, it's always the time to be smarmy. Yeah. So I'm a little surprised that he's not. Yeah, he doesn't like he doesn't like talk back. He doesn't have any witty remarks. He just puts the handcuff right on without any sort of protest. I mean, granted, protests are coming. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's a little. It's too little, too late. Mm. Like he. So, so next minute he finds himself in this situation and he starts realizing the situation he's in. And I just can't help but think, well, if you didn't want to be in a life-threatening handcuff situation, why did you put the handcuffs on? Why didn't you just say no? The worst he's going to do is shoot you. Well, I gotta say, when... You're dead no matter what. Yeah. He didn't think it through. No, he didn't. Johnny, like we he said, He did what he was told when he was told to do it. Because that's what he is. He's a lackey. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make decisions on his own. He does what he's told. Yeah. Johnny doesn't exactly think for himself. I mean, he'd make an excellent battle droid, that's for sure. Roger. <laughs> <laughs> we see Johnny put the handcuff on his ankle. And after he puts on the handcuff, he kind of looks back up at Max almost to like show him that he did it. Kind of like, okay, yeah, handcuffs on. There we go. I'm done now, right? And Max takes the opportunity to kind of 
walk around Johnny and get a better angle on him. And we're going to see exactly what Max does to Johnny tomorrow. We're going to see where this whole handcuff ankle situation is leading us. Yeah, we've got an interesting setup that is certainly going to pay off. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm assuming he's arresting him. Oh, of course. Because, you know... I think the the nighttime drive has has really given Max an opportunity to mellow out, and yeah, so he's definitely definitely going back to old Max Law and Order way. I don't think this is going to go sideways at all. I no. think I think I got I got high hopes for it. <laughs> so, so Alex, for people yes. that are interested in hearing more of your voice, where should people go? Well, uh, probably the easiest thing is to go listen to the podcast, which of which I am a co-host, Star Wars Minute. Uh, and you can find that at StarWarsMinute.com, iTunes, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. And, of course, our contact information remains the same as always. Our website is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute. Like us on Facebook and join our listeners page, Mad Max Minute, Beyond Microphone. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 88. We'll see you tomorrow. Motorbikes and leather men, take me to the end of the dream. Hold up tight, no it's your feeling.